Caller, I know how much we both have loved what Anchor has given us as a podcasting platform. Ladies and gents, if you haven't heard of Anchor yet, you're missing out. Most importantly, it's free. Anchor gives you the ability to edit and upload your podcast directly from your phone to get anywhere you can get your podcast. Apple Music, Spotify, it'll be there. You can make money from your podcast with minimum listeners. It's literally everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Go download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. Hey, you're listening to Burst Your Bubble. I'm Josh, and I've got Kyler here with me. We're here to bring you the sharpest sports takes. We're getting the week started right with a full episode. We have a full breakdown of UFC 251, and we go into how mad Dana is after this weekend. We take a peek into life behind the scenes in the bubble. I share an incredible stat about Colin Morikawa, and we wrap things up with a totem pole of sports mascots. Remember to stay plugged into our social media on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Burst Your Bubble. We're available everywhere you get your podcast. You can even get us on your Alexa devices. If you're bored at home, just say, Alexa, play Burst Your Bubble podcast. Then remember to rate, review, and share us with your friends or literally anyone you know. Thanks for listening, and remember, no hard feelings, because more than likely, one of us will burst your bubble. Kyler, we are back after a long weekend, a long weekend of live sports. It was a, it was a different feel. It wasn't just PGA we had uh, PGA, NASCAR, and UFC going on this weekend. So a lot of things to digest, a lot of things to break down. I'm excited. I'm excited too, Josh. Super fired up as I uh, sip on some coffee. I'm a little tired. A lot of baseball this weekend as well for me. Um, I want to give a shout-out to Keaton Rudhart. Uh, he'll probably never listen to this. You may never hear his name again, but he had three no-hit perform- performances this weekend, uh, three different outings. He pitched at least five innings, never gave up a hit. So – MLB draft stock rising there. He could get drafted, so I wanted to give him a shout-out. We were the first ones to predict it right here. Exactly. Well, what, uh, you know, did anything uh, interesting happen this weekend at Big Fire Baseball? That about uh, wraps up everything I have on Big Fire Baseball, Josh. <laughs> not a lot happening there then. Uh, no dingers, not a lot of dingers being hit. So It was really hot this weekend. I don't know if you went outside any. It was pretty fucking hot. I played golf twice this weekend, and uh, oh my God. it was miserable. Yeah, I mean, and I've noticed that, I mean, in these situations, especially, like, with younger kids, bro, these pitchers just dominate in the heat. And I guess because the, the the hitters just kind of have trouble uh, getting their bat around. I'm not real sure. Well, yeah, I think sweaty hands, sweaty gloves, you know, all that gets wet, can't really get around on the ball. I've, I mean, you'd think the pitchers have the same problem. Sweat dropping in their eyes can't really see yeah I mean do you think the pitchers would have the same problems but I mean pitchers just deal in the heat I guess I guess they're I guess they're okay but uh yeah Josh a lot of live sports this weekend we're gonna break them all down uh let's start with UFC how about it let's get into it so did you get to watch the uh the snuggle fest I think you called it it was a cuddle fest that's my that's my name for it the cuddle fest I did watch the cuddle fest uh toe stomping cuddle fest now I see you're to give me that look. Go ahead. Those fucking toe stomps. Ow. Yeah, that that shit would hurt. But like, man, after a point, it's just like, oh my god, it was the most unentertaining fight. Uh, yeah, a, a few times during the fight, Josh, because I was watching on my phone. Um, 
uh, on the ESPN app, of course. I bought it on ESPN pay-per-view for however much money it was. Thank you, Dana White and ESPN. Uh, I was watching on my phone, and a couple times during the fight, I actually just went to Twitter during, like, there'd be two minutes left in the round, and Usman would just be on top, and I'd be like, well, nothing's gonna, nothing else is going to happen in this round. I uh, guess I'll just wait to see what Akimoto says and get back on uh, in the next round when Masvidal's on his feet. But, I mean, that I guess we kind of kind of attribute that to, um, you know, taking this fight on six days' notice, having no gas tank. So, I will say this. Usman showed how dominant he was. Yeah. Because he had been preparing for a different fighter this whole time, has Masvidal in the ring. He has to win no matter what. That was the only thing that he could get out of there. Masvidal didn't take a hit from this. Because everyone is giving him the, well, he took this in six days. It was a win-win for Masvidal, and it was a definite win-lose for Usman. And he came out, it was a boring, unentertaining fight, but he completely dominated in every aspect of this fight. Now, I could see where you say uh, it, it was, it's a win-win for Masvidal either way. I, I don't think he views it as that um, at all. I think he accepted this fight on six days' notice, flying to Abu Dhabi without his coach, without only flying with his manager, having to cut 20 pounds once he arrived in Abu Dhabi. I think he only took that fight thinking he could beat, knowing he could beat Kamara Usman, and it just didn't amount to that. Uh, tonight, he said even in the press comp, uh, post-fight interview, he kind of said that um, you know he thought he had the game plan. He thought he had the formula to beat him. Uh, he just did, probably didn't have the gas tank to do it. You know, those, those bursts that he had, those bursts of energy that – can be so they're pretty dangerous Josh I don't know if you watched the end of that fifth round and he did win the first round yeah well that was the thing he came prepared to fight and Usman didn't let him that yeah. was what happened here Usman did not let him fight that he didn't he just imposed his will that big did, got whatever he wanted to through this and he dominated well Josh that makes I, I, I'm just so from from the jump from the first clinch in the second round uh, when I saw that Usman could get the clinch whenever he wanted uh, I, I knew that this fight wasn't going – because of the lack of energy it takes to break a clinch or to fight off a clinch, I just knew that Masvidal didn't have that. And uh, But all the stuff takedowns, Josh, that gives me a lot of confidence for Masvidal going into a rematch. Yeah, and that's and that's the thing about this. this is, it was a boring match this one time. Usman fought like he had to. He just wanted to come out of there with a win, go to 12-0, third person ever in UFC history to do that. And now the rematch, you know, has the makings of fireworks. You have to give Masvidal another chance. Um, and let's see it. You know, I want to see them preparing for each other going into it. I actually want to see a fight, not a cuddle fest. Yeah, because, I mean, if, if we saw – because Masvidal also said in that interview that uh, he overestimated some things about Usman and also underestimated some things about Usman. Uh, one of the things he said he – maybe overestimated was his takedown skills uh, or maybe he underestimated his ability to stop the takedown or any uh, underestimated uh, how dominant Usman is in the clinch and how just absolutely brutal. I, and I honestly think he underestimated those damn toe stomps. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. When you have, when you have Usman just draining the life out of you, just sapping energy, holding on to you for two minutes at a time, not letting you do anything, you get tired. Whether you've been training hard or not, you're going to get tired. That's how he's got to where he's at. He just sucks the life out of you. Yeah, and it's one thing if he does that, Josh. This man was stomping on his toes. 
Could you imagine that? Just someone just dead weight on you, slapping the life out, and then stomping on your toes at the same time. Josh, if somebody stomped on my toes, I'd go to jail for murder. <laughs> I don't know if I don't know if you would against Usman. Uh, one of us would, a thousand percent. <laughs> well, it was a uh, it was a great main event, though. Um, not in the aspect of entertaining uh, everyone. I but enjoyed it. You did. I mean, you you really didn't enjoy that fight. No, I, I, I laugh at some of the things, but no, it was. I mean, no, it was not. No, it was not entertaining. It wasn't. I mean, and Kamara Snoozman. I mean, he he uh, he got in there. And he he did the job. Uh, he. Like you said, he, he went in there. He knew that he could not lose this fight under any circumstances. He knew that if he, if he lost to Jorge Masvidal on six days' notice, I mean, that ruins his legacy. So he knew under all circumstances he had to, he had to win this fight. Um, it would have been, it's going to be exciting when Masvidal has a full camp and we see uh, him with a full gas tank. I think that, you know, his ability to stop the takedown over and over and over and over again uh, – I think I think uh, Usman only had three successful takedowns. Uh, I mean that that shows me that with a full training camp, Masvidal should be able to work in that clinch work as well. Yeah, I'm excited for the rematch. Uh, let's move on to something else for Fight Island. Dana White was pissed was at the at the judging. Oh man, he was livid, and he let him have it. I didn't see what he said. What, what did he say? Listen, man, you can't give it to these guys. We've got some bad judging. Uh, I don't know. Did anyone score it? Nobody in the media. I don't know. I guess we'll figure it out. No one knows what the hell's going on here. Horrible, horrible stoppage by the referee. Should have stopped way sooner. We've got to tighten up our refs and judges here on Fight Island. Oh, my God, Josh. Did you see uh, Jose Aldo almost uh, – what the hell was going on there? I, I don't think anyone knows. That's the problem. So, I mean, uh, here's a, uh, a verbal gif, uh, little Terrio in the restaurant drinking out of his soda, uh, and that's the ref watching Aldo's uh, brain bleed all over the map. Yeah, that, was a, that was a good gif, not a good uh, situation that was happening, but uh, that, was a good, that was a good one. This was terrible. I mean, this was absolutely terrible, and it seems like Daniel White's <laughs> not letting anyone get away with this. He was pissed. No, you really hate to see it because they, I mean, they also, I mean, dude, they also screwed Max Holloway, mm -hmm. just screwed him from a three, three, two should have went his way. Second time it goes to the referees. Now, what do you do? If you're Holloway, what do you do? Yeah. Oh my God. I would be, yeah. If you're Holloway, you're, you're <laughs> that's such a horrible situation. But I mean, in that situation, you got, some of the blame can fall on Holloway because, I mean, in that situation, the champion wins that fight. In a fight where that fifth round is up for grabs, it can, it can be argued either way, whether one argument is bad, they're going to give it to the champion most of the time. Yeah, it just seems like a, a screwed system, and Dana White's not happy about it. So uh, let's look to see what changes come out from this. Yeah, that's, that's the argument always made that you shouldn't have to – you shouldn't have to beat the champion, you know, actually beat him. If you win the fight, you know, you shouldn't have to win the fight extra. You know, this is fighting, but, you know, that's the way it goes. So, obviously, he let his fate be decided by the refs, and it didn't work out. Let's talk about someone who's got some, uh, some good potential here, Peter Yan. I'm excited for Peter Yan, man. He, uh, so, who's he got next? I've seen that it's going to be uh, Aljamain Sterling. 
So uh, that would be a good fight. Uh, I think Cody Garbrandt would be a really good fight. Uh, I wasn't seeing Peter Yan do a lot to Jose Aldo that we haven't seen other fighters do to Jose Aldo before. Um, I mean, obviously the vicious TKO. But uh, I I'm excited to see him, you know, obviously move on with the championship. Uh, maybe we'll be able to see him fight guys like Sterling, fight guys like Garbrandt, fight guys like Munez. Uh, but, you know, moving forward, that will be something to watch. Josh, uh, that's pretty much all I had on the UFC. I actually got some breaking news a little bit earlier, and I called you about it just to hear your immediate reaction. Uh, Rajon Rondo broke his hand, broke his thumb, out for eight weeks. Oh, man, this – you know, obviously, I've talked about it a lot. My boy Rondo, third time – third favorite player of all time. This is – this is critical to the Lakers. This is a uh, this is a big blow. This takes away a lot of depth. This does take away a lot of depth, but I, I told you in real time, I think this can be a little bit of a blessing in disguise. Um, Rondo's numbers have just – they've so his numbers with AD and LeBron on the court, especially, uh, their defensive numbers are atrocious, and their offensive numbers just aren't up to par. I mean, even compared to – if JaVale McGee was on the floor instead of Rondo. So uh, if, I mean, obviously that might not be a good one because the centers have played so well all season, but we have guys like Caldwell Pope. We have guys like Caruso, guys like Danny Green. And I've, I've been hearing a lot, a lot, a lot of Quinn Cook slander. Like Quinn Cook was not the second, no worse than the third best player on the Warriors in games five and six last year. Yeah, and I've talked about this a little bit before. The problem here uh, is chemistry. You know, even if you say the numbers are atrocious, Rondo was there with the chemistry, with the guys. They'd been playing together. He played in 48 games this year. I think he was averaging seven points, five assists, and three steals or something. Um, three rebounds, I think. It, I mean, he's been playing well, just obviously not at a superstar level that we, you know, we knew him from 2008. But – this hurts. I mean, this hurts. Yeah, it does hurt. Now, there's also some talk about uh, Collison getting signed. Uh, that's what everyone on Twitter, the NBA Twitter, is erupting for uh, Collison to, to change his mind and go with the Lakers. Yeah, maybe he will. Uh, probably not, but maybe he will. Uh, because I, I think the Lakers do get to uh, swap someone out. Yep. So they will so, get to make a signing. Yeah, so uh, Caldwell Pope, I think, is going to slide – right into that starting role, slide right into uh, – I think Caldwell Pope would have been starting anyways. But um, I think all those minutes will, will go to Caldwell Pope, will go to Caruso. And, uh, like I said, Quinn Cook. But also, Josh, uh, J.R. Smith and Dion Waiters are also on this team. They're, they're in the bubble. They're, um, they're going to be on that bench. Yeah, and so what this does, it, it's going to allow some other player to take that backup point guard spot. Um, you know, someone new is going to slip right in there because obviously you're going to have LeBron James running the show, running uh, the helm of this team going into the playoffs, and it just allows somebody else to take control the few minutes that LeBron's not in the game. So they're uh, they're crunch time five. Let's let's lay it out. It's LeBron. It's AD. Uh, let's put Danny Green out there. Are we putting Kuzma? Yeah, we got to put Kuzma. Yeah, huh? Kuzma's probably in it. So nah, you got I mean, it comes down to Caldwell Pope, Caruso, or do you go with the center? I mean, I I see a situation you throw Jr. out there. 
Yeah. Time to hit a three. Well, actually, no, not in crunch time because that man – That's the thing. LeBron will I mean, kill him. In, in crunch time, you're now deciding between J.R. Smith, Deion Waiters, Contavious Caldwell-Pope. And Jab- Alex Cruiser. And Quinn Cook. Not a lot of uh, flashy names. So, I mean, I would argue that those names can be somewhat flashy, but not necessarily in the way that you would want um, in crunch time, especially uh, as the fifth best player on the court. A lot of those guys think they are the best player on the court at all times, and that is definitely not what you want in crunch time in the playoffs. Well, at the end of the day, there's going to be two people that's going to take the last second shot, and two people only. Well, yeah, it's Jr. and Smith if he's on the court, <laughs> or yeah. Dion Waiters. Yeah, I don't know. I think this is going to be a different year. I think LeBron is going to not pass up, make the passes this year at the end of games. I think you're going to see him try to try to make the shot. Can you not see an? Can you not see this exact scene happening? Uh, Dion Waiters stealing his own team's inbound pass and taking a game potential game-winning shot and completely missing it, and that they lose 4-0 to the Grizzlies. No, I cannot see that at all. That would never happen. Look, LeBron would have picked him up and sat him on the bench before he let that happen. I, I can – well, maybe not that exact situation, but I can definitely see a scenario playing out where Deion Waiters has the ball in his hands with three seconds left on the clock, and he's taking the game-winning shot, and I, I need it. I need it. I don't need it. I need I need some wins here. That's what I need. I need some wins. Hey, well, Deion, he might be good for one. Yeah, one for what? That's the question here. <laughs> one for the Grizzlies. Yeah, that's not what we need. That's not what the Lakers need going into this. We need LeBron and AD dominating and playing great basketball. Yeah, and I think that's why uh, – I think that's still why they're my pick to make the finals. Um, they're just so strong. LeBron and AD, they're one, the one-two punch. I mean, it's just the best in the league. Can't be argued. Very hard to beat. So, uh, another little person, little person, I guess, kind of, who I want to talk about right now, uh, Luka Doncic. Did mm-hmm. you see his trick shot going around today? I didn't see a trick shot, no. So, he bounces on the ground, kicks it with the side of his foot, runs with his arm sideways like an airplane, Watches it as he's running, it sinks right in, and he runs right out the hallway. Just leaves everybody. I've really been enjoying those videos of uh, just the the random videos of the scrimmages we've been getting, and they're all in like huge conference room hotel things. Those are that's just so cool to see. It's like the weird ceilings. It's like they're just playing basketball in a conference room. Yeah, they're just you know having fun, relaxing. But yeah, so I, I'm really enjoying all the uh, all all those little insight videos. Kuzma and LeBron were getting shots up today on social media. Uh, Sports Center put it out, so we're getting at least a little bit of an inside look at the bubble. Uh, do you follow um, NBA Bubble Life? I do not. I'm going to do that right now. Oh, Josh, you have to. So it is the pre- premier place for all of your bubble content. Um, they're tweeting constantly. So far, they've gotten uh, JJ Redick and Myers Leonard to both shotgun beers. Um, inside the bubble so uh, a lot of great content going on there but also the main thing I've been enjoying uh, I've been enjoying watching is all the players fishing yeah some things never change Ben Simmons 
What did he do? He still can't. He, he still can't hit a shot. He dropped the fish. Couldn't get it back in the water. Oh no, that's not good. He got roasted on Twitter. Just absolutely roasted. PG's out there ripping some lips though, huh? Well, everybody knows that man knows how to fish. He's teaching all the young bucks how to how to properly tie a hook. Tie he's, a knot. Probably, he's probably he's probably waiting out finding some good some good spots. He's like, hey, this is a good one right here. But uh, you see a lot of the Oklahoma City guys. I your, mean, you, your boy Baisley, he was excited. Yeah, but that dude was fired up, wasn't he? He was. He was happy as hell to catch that fish. That man was fired up. Uh, I'm, gosh, this, I'll just reiterate it again. Why are we not seeing this daily on a reality show? Why are we not? Uh, why am I not paying fifty dollars a month for a subscription to NBA Bubble Life? And that man is not there recording all of them live on my phone. Not sure, but the NBA is losing a lot of money because of it. Really missing out. They could have got. They could have recouped a lot of money from this. Yep. But then so, we would have had to censor it. We probably wouldn't get the beer shotgunning. Yeah, but we get to watch him play golf. We would Well, I don't know. Your boy Jason Tatum threw a fit on the golf course. He was not happy. He oh, I didn't see that. He even tweeted. Well, it was more of his tweet. He was just roasting the game of golf. It was the worst game ever made. And then you got people out there chugging wine. Yeah, Jason Tatum. He. Uh, I mean, did you see his swing speed a couple of weeks ago? Yeah, I remember you telling me about this. How fast was it? It was like one seventeen. That's that's absurd. That's like that's that's up there with around JT level. Jeez. Yeah. So, uh, speaking of golf, Josh. Speaking of uh, some TV networks losing some money, potentially um, that they could be making bukus off of CBS once again has fumbled the bag. Uh, Josh, I called you today when the when it was heading to a playoff, and uh, you said, "Well, I can't find it. I've been trying to find. I can't find it." I was like, "Well, it's on CBS Sports. You just gotta go to cbssports.com." Um, my problem that I find people everywhere on Twitter, people just say it's on the CBS Sports app. So just go to the CBS Sports app. Okay, well, motherfuckers, when I go to the CBS Sports app on my Xbox, it's not there. All I'm watching is these idiots on CBS Sports headquarters talk about the golf i'm not watching it it's not there the only place i can find is cbssports.com it is there um so what happens here josh is when tea times get moved up so they're supposed to tee off at 1 30 it gets moved up to 8 30 because of storms um cbs has those rights from two to five from two to five cbs is showing golf no if ands or buts about it two to five golf is on cbs so when golf st- happens from 8 to 12, CBS is just out of fucking luck. And for some reason, Golf Channel doesn't have the broadcast rights to the live golf that's going on. Can you explain that to me, Josh? So no golf is being played, or like you can't watch any golf from 8 to 12? Oh, so you can on cbssports.com. That's the only place. That is the only place. And you think that a broadcast television company in the cable business would uh, like people watching cable. Yeah, you would think that. But, hey, I'm, if now that I know that I get on cbssports.com, that's all I need. Give it to me there. Sure. I'm going to yeah. put it on my phone. But they're losing a ton of money. I would say millions. Some, yeah. The, I, oh, yeah. 
especially right now with all the viewers that, that they're getting, especially the people who normally wouldn't watch golf, they're missing out on a ton. Josh, everyone was like, what? I mean, Pat McAfee had a tweet today. Why does golf do this? Why is golf like this? And, uh, it, it, and I, I don't know, Josh, but let's get into it. Uh, Justin Thomas started the day par bogey bogey. That's notable, Josh. Uh, JT had the fewest amount of par, uh, fewest amount of bogeys this week. He had four total. Those two on the uh, holes two and three were his first two of the week. He had no bo no bogeys in rounds one, two, and three. That is some damn good golf by Justin Thomas until I, Sunday. I'd say so. Uh, so holes eight through 15, he's seven under. Seven under and eight holes, including an eagle on number 15. He eagles. Colin Morikawa makes a, a bad par. Uh, it looks like the pretty much the tournament is wrapped up. Um, I've won my second Degenerates Den pick of the week. And uh, next hole, hole 16, he makes his third bogey of the week. Um, the next hole, Morikawa uh, makes a huge birdie to give the hopes for a playoff. And, I, you know, as much as I wanted JT to win, to secure that win for me, I wanted a playoff even more. Um, but you thought going into 18, uh, Morikawa would have needed a birdie, uh, just the way JT was swinging the club, making his putts. Uh, JT misses an eight-footer, misreads an eight-footer. Maybe, maybe the putt broke the wrong way. I'm not sure. Uh, makes his fourth bogey on the day, his fourth bogey of the week, and we're headed to a playoff. In 72 holes, Josh, Justin Thomas had four bogeys. He had 10 straight one-putt greens. Two. 10 straight one-putt greens. That is amazing. He was playing great golf. And until he got into the playoff, I was telling – I mean, we were texting back and forth. I thought he had it in the bag. And then all of a sudden, hits it behind a damn tree. So let's let's start with the first hole. Uh, so they both got putts for birdie. JT has about a 50-footer. And Dottie, I've been meaning to talk about Dottie. And uh, Dottie and Faldo and Immelman, they have the perfect chemistry. I think she is just outstanding on that coverage. I think her and uh, her and Faldo should actually have their own kind of – I think they should be hosting a lot of it, and Nance should be really just the bigger moments. Uh, but she told us exactly what that putt was going to do. You know, she said her and her teammate had the exact same putt for a point in the Solheim Cup. Uh, the ball followed the line she described perfectly right into the cup. JT yelled, which is always funny when there's no, no other noise going on around the course. Josh, the stones on Colin Morikawa to step up to a 25-foot birdie putt two minutes after that and drain that motherfucker and send it to another playoff hole. I, Josh, he's 20, he's, what is he, 22 years old, 23? Mm-hmm, he's young. That, the stones. Just went up there cold-blooded, didn't even think about it, wasn't worried about Justin Thomas at all, focused on his own shot and sunk a 25-foot but 25 foot bomb i mean put started it right on he was looking at his line the whole time started it right there stayed on line never broke off and it dipped right into the hole uh the next playoff hole two pars on that one off to the third playoff hole like you said uh jt stymie behind the behind a tree off his tee shot 
Uh, Morikawa darted an eight iron in to about seven feet, two putted for the win. So hold on, Josh, stop right there. Hold on, stop right there. You had a stat about that. Didn't you? Well, I have a, a thing about it. So in that moment, because that caddy wanted him to hit a seven iron. Yeah. He wanted him to hit a seven iron. And Morikawa finally is like, no, no, I think I'm going to take a little bit off and, uh, you know, I'll just go with the eight like I did. And he does and just hits a absolute beauty of a shot. I'm firing that caddy. Well, yeah, that's what he said. He said, um, he said, well, I could just, what's the number? And he said it again. And he said, well, I hit my, I hit my eight, you know, I think the number was 161 to the front. I think he said, well, I hit my eight, you know, 163 on 18. And, you know, I can just take a little bit off. And I, I mean, I mean, to, to think I'm going to land this. And he was, uh, the conversations him and his caddy were having all day were just outstanding. I mean, like the, complexity of the numbers they were saying it was way over my head and I played college golf it was definitely over my head I did not play college golf I did not understand a lot of it I just knew that in that moment his caddy was picking the the wrong club for him and in this moment when I talk about him not worrying about Justin Thomas even the announcers were wondering have they talked about Justin Thomas's lie have did Colin ask where Justin Thomas was no didn't give a damn about where Justin Thomas was he said, no, we're going to focus on my shot and my lie and what club I need to use for this shot. And they talked about it for a good minute and a half, two minutes, at least that we get to see there on TV before he actually picked the club. That's another thing. Why was it just like after every shot, right after they, right after they hit, it would go to commercial? I yeah, mean, nothing in between. Boom, right to commercial. And then it would say, Josh, I would just have a black screen. Because the commercials would end, and it would just be a fucking black screen. And then just all of a sudden, Nance say, all right, here's JT. And I'm like, well, what the hell? Why didn't I get to – what, what? I didn't get to see him walk up. I didn't get to hear him pick a club. I didn't – What? what's going on? I, I almost texted you during this because I thought my app screwed up, and I was like, of course. The one time I find out about CBSSports.com, it screws up. But then it comes right back on. JT's walking up to hit the ball, and I was like, well, son of a bitch. That's all, that's all it is. I mean, they did it shot after shot after shot after shot. And I'm like, can I please watch the walk down the fairway, please? No, they will not let us. Absolutely not. Uh, Colin Morikawa, Josh, you had a stat. You told me, some, you told me a stat. Uh, how many – something about his career starts. What was that? So, Colin Morikawa now has more wins than he does missed cuts. Wow. More wins than missed cuts. So, obviously, he was on that run – uh, he he was close to breaking Tiger streak, and I think he did. I think he probably wishes he would have taken that week off. I think he's um, like Victor Hovland. These young guys, you know, they play every week that they can, every week that they want to, and they're young and fit, so they're going to play every week. Uh, I imagine he wishes he would have taken that week off, but he missed the cut. Uh, but one but missed he, cut, two wins, and twenty four starts. He so he missed the cut, then he took a week off, and then he comes back for the W. Yeah, he should. Should have just taken those first two weeks off, uh, then came back for the W. But uh, he probably would have broken Tiger streak. But his style of golf, Josh, I mean, I watched him play. I really learned about Colin Morikawa when he was at UCLA. Uh, in that national championship against Matt Wolf, both of their freshman years, and they battled against each other. They absolutely battled. Or I guess it would have been Morikawa's junior year. Um, and uh, Matthew Wolf obviously came out on top in that one. But his style of golf um, – I laid it out last week with Matt Wolf. It can be pretty volatile. Uh, he led the field in birdies, led the field in bogeys, 
and had the fewest amount of pars. I mean, that's <laughs> usually that's going to put you near the top of the leaderboard, but winning a tournament with that style of golf is usually pretty hard. Um, it takes some bombs. It takes making a lot of putts, and that's what he did. It takes making 25-foot putts in a playoff. Yeah. And, you know, he was also finding the fairway at over a 70% clip. Um, and it really didn't matter, you know, if he had 200 yards in or 45 yards in. I mean, he was trying to take the paint off the flagstick. And that one of those playoff holes, Justin Thomas hit, I think, from about 165 or 161 yards out. And he hit a yard past the, past the flag. They, both of those guys were doing that all day. They were just sticking darts right next to the hole. And it's like, they're just going to, like, they're, they're going to dunk it soon. Like, it's just going to, bro, Colin Morikawa had one. It was, it was a par three. Uh, it was almost a hole in one. It was an eight iron. So the ball, I don't know how this ball doesn't go in because it was, it was traveling pretty slow as it was rolling towards the, towards the hole. Rolling towards the hole just hits the pin and just rolls right back out. It's rolling pretty slow. No idea how it doesn't go in for a one. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, I'll never know what that feels like, Josh. But uh, it was a great week uh, for the PGA. I really enjoyed it. I would have loved to watch it on CBS, just, you know, the regular channel, though. Or the app just anything just I had to scramble I was like you know I'm gay I had to work today Josh I, for for four hours of my work day I gave up using my laptop just so I could watch golf oh man and that's and that's the worst like we talked about some some we it's never going to get fixed because we've talked about it week in and week out and still here we are grappling about it today but it was a great tournament to be able to watch once I found out I could get it on the CBS Sports app or cbssports.com. Yeah. And uh, it was definitely uh, worthwhile for tuning into that. Yeah, shout out to Workday for uh, stepping up, taking, taking on this tournament as John Deere had to uh, uh, postpone their tournament for a year due to COVID. Uh, and shout out to Jack Nicholas for, you know, loaning out his course for this event. And shout out to Jack Nicholas for this coming up event this week, Josh, the Memorial. Um, and I just want, of course, you know, we'll break it down in future episodes this week, but I just wanted to get ahead of everyone here. They haven't announced the groupings yet. Um, uh, 7.45 a.m. on Thursday, if we don't have Tiger Woods, Bryson DeChambeau, and Brooks Kepka on a featured group, I might fucking kill Jack Nicholas. Whoa. But I understand. I understand the passion there. That would be, that is the all-time group. I'm gonna send. I'm gonna send fucking Jack out on his little fishing boat on a on a trip around the world. See you, Jack. If we can't see that, at least let me get Tiger and one of these young guys. Because I want to see, you know, if the what the Tiger effect looks like uh, in real time with no fans around the course. And I want to see, uh, you know, what effect Tiger Woods is gonna have this weekend. Yeah, and it's certainly gonna be really exciting to see uh, Brooks Koepka and Bryson really. Uh, continue their their squabble their uh their back and forth you could call it um and brooks even said he came out today and said that uh casinos beware he's looking to run the table this week at the memorial looking to shake jack's hand as he walks off the 18th 18th well maybe not shake his hand but i don't even think jack will be you think jack will be there no you don't think so jack i mean jack's always there jack is all this is his tournament yeah it is his tournament he probably will be. There's no way he high fives anyone, though. Uh, maybe a fist bump? A fist bump, you could see. 
Will he be wearing? He's definitely going to be wearing a mask. A mask, and hell, he might even be wearing a golf glove. So what color is he going to have an Augusta colored mask? It, will it be a green mask? It will be, if it's not green, it will be something to do with the course. Yeah, for sure. I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to it, Josh. And like I said, uh, it should be a good week for Jack unless Tiger Woods, Bryson, and Brooks are not in a group together. Yep, I'm excited for it. I hope that they pair him up, and I want to see sparks fly. Yep, me too. So let's get into the totem pole, Josh. Today's totem pole, I'm very excited about it. We're going to do a totem pole of mascots. So I'm really excited for this one. Uh, obviously, with the news about the Redskins, uh, you want to, you you have anything to say about that? Or uh, I'm sorry, the Washington football team. Uh, the Washington Rots. I'm excited to uh, to hear that announcement. Uh, so they are going to announce that tomorrow. Not the name of the team. I, I saw some reports that there were some trademark issues going on that they wouldn't be able to announce the name of the team, which would be today for listening to this, July 13th. Um, but they are going to announce that they are formally going to change the name of that football team to what Kyler and I have been uh, pushing for, the Washington Rots, short for Rottweilers. Uh, you know, we need a ferocious dog over there. Although I did see a report came out that said that uh, this is – there are other things coming in a change here, and it's not good. Uh, some things have to do with the front office, uh, maybe some firings and different things that are happening to that team. There's speculation of a move uh, coming up. Um, but no one knows for sure what's going to happen. But uh, there are reports that the changes to this are not looking good for the Washington organization. So if uh, Washington were to move, I could definitely see a move coming. I could definitely see, and unsuccessfully so, I could definitely see uh, this team being sold and moved immediately. I could definitely see that in the near future. I wouldn't be surprised if I woke up to that information any day now, to be honest with you, Josh. Uh, where would you like to see the Washington football team end up if it were to move? Oklahoma City. Oklahoma City. Bring them to OKC. We need another sports team. I think that's a terrible idea. Um, I would like to see them in Seattle. Uh, coincidentally, uh, no, we took. They already have Seattle. Seattle Seahawks. We don't need. They don't need another oh, team. I, I meant to say. I, I meant to say uh, Portland. Oh, okay. Uh, get one. We need. There just needs to be more coverage in the. Uh, what is that? The Pacific Northwest. We, mm -hmm. I just love it up there. I love the weather, love the rain. We need more football up there. Yeah, we also need more football uh, right here in Oklahoma. So uh, let's get us a team here. I don't, know if you've, I don't know if you've been to Oklahoma in September, Josh. It's pretty fucking hot. It is hot, but it's hot in Florida and Dallas and Houston too. Well, it, it's a different kind of hot here in Oklahoma. <laughs> I'm going to start making the push. I need to get on the phone with our uh, Matt Pinnell. But, yeah, so it, it is uh, exciting news that this organization, uh, even that the possibility of a move is on the horizon. And if it's not a move, I'm excited to see uh, what news does come about the Washington Rots uh, coming moving forward. So, I mean, if they don't move, I hope at least, like with the new name, I hope they get all new colors. It's supposed to be a uh, – if it is just, a, you know, a rebranding of the team, it's supposed to be a complete rebrand. They're going to be starting from new. I don't want I don't want any of the old I don't want a single red I don't want a single yellow none of that. Amazon's already pulled the merchandise they're ready for the change. Well yeah cuz the thing is I mean if if these that's when I knew that this was going to happen. When Nike pulled all the redskin stuff off their website, I knew right then like because it, 
if they change the name, those jerseys, that merchandise instantly becomes more valuable. So I know I knew when they pulled that off the website, I, I knew that was it for that name. Yep, now it's to the Washington Rots. Yep, so the Rots are coming. Uh, that will, and, and Josh, and in 20, 30 years, some kid who starts up his podcast, starts up his own little segment, um, his version of Totem Pole, maybe the Rots will be on his uh, Totem Pole of mascots. But we're going to hear yours and mine in just a second, right after this ad about Anchor. All right, Keller, uh, let's go ahead and get into this totem pole. I really thought that this was going to be a lot harder to pick uh, my favorite and worst mascots, but it turns out it's actually not that hard. Uh, going through the list, it was actually pretty easy. Was it? So picking the bottom of mine was a little a little harder than I thought it would be, but uh, since yours was so easy to figure out, let, let's go ahead. I'll let you start. Go ahead and pick your pick your bottom. So my bottom one is the Stanford tree. Oh, great pick. I don't know anything about the backstory. I didn't even read up, but I was just looking at a picture of it, and I thought, my God, this is the worst-looking mascot that I've seen, and it is terrible. That The Stanford tree uh, is super awful. Um, I've hated Stanford since uh, we beat their ass with Brandon Whedon and Justin Blackman in the, uh, what was that, 2011 Rose Bowl. But, um, yeah, since, since then, I, I've hated the Stanford tree. That's a great pick. Uh, very, very boring mascot. Yeah, it just looks super, super shitty. So the bottom of mine, uh, I think this is by far the worst mascot uh, in the history of sports. And it's Wichita State. So uh, – they uh, kind of rebranded as the Shockers, uh, and you know they they've kind of instituted a, a second mascot that's not even uh, known as a, a main mascot, and that's kind of more of a, a shock, you know, a, a lightning bolt type of character. But their main mascot, Josh, is a cornstalk. A cornstalk. Wooshock the cornstalk. Yep. What was that name? Wooshock. <laughs> Oh my God! Wooshock, the Cornstalk, Wichita State—horrible, uh, just horrible. So they, Kansas is known for harvesting their wheat. Apparently, uh, could have fooled me, but uh, Wooshock, the Cornstalk—yeah, horrible, horrible, horrible. All right, Keller. So for the next one on mine, this might be a little bit of a surprise, but it's going to be the Houston Cougar. Oh, why is that? Because he got his ass beat by the Oregon Duck in that bro in that SmackDown fight that they had. Uh, it's a video that went pretty viral. Uh, you know, I, they might have been kidding around a little bit, but at the end of the day, the Oregon Duck got the better of the Houston Cougar. Uh, and uh, I want my mascot to be able to fight. If, if you're my mascot, I need you to be able to go toe-to-toe with any other mascot in the league. I'm calling, I'm calling BS on that, Josh. I'd say that fight was rigged from the beginning uh, to play into the, uh, the national media bias that uh, Oregon is the better team, and that's why they deserve to be in the playoff. That's why they deserve to be nationally recognized, nationally ranked, where Houston doesn't. That's just playing right into the national bias, Josh. Way to fall for it. Regardless of whether it's national media or not, if you're my mascot, I don't want you throwing, I don't want you throwing a match. I want you going toe-to-toe, and I want you beating the shit out of any other mascot that, that even acts like he's going to step up. Yeah, just sit there through the whole script read and be like, yeah, all this sounds really good, and just go out there and just really kick the dude's <laughs> yeah, ass. Yeah, just beat the living shit out of him. 
we're not we're not doing that on my team. Uh uh-uh. uh. Get out of here with that Houston Cougar. That duck would be so thrown off. Uh, so the bottom line, Josh, the Oregon Duck almost made the bottom line. And um, I'm actually still considering putting it there. Uh, but, no, I'm not going to. This is Otto the Orange. So Syracuse Orange. Mm-hmm. Yep. And later on, Josh, we're going to do a totem pole of uh, sports team names. I love the Syracuse Orange. I love the name. But uh, Bleacher Report said this about the Otto Orange. He is no more than a giant orange with arms, legs, and a hat. <laughs> <laughs> that's just pretty good right there. I like that. Uh, and that's all he is. Uh, this is the worst mascot I think I've ever seen. It's literally just an orange. Uh, he, I, I, it's horrible. I, I don't like it at all. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a good call. It's, uh, that's actually all it is is a big orange with arms and legs. So, I wouldn't be feeling hat. too good about in the hat. If I'm wearing that mascot suit, uh, I'm, I'm not feeling too good about it. I actually do have an honorable mention for the bottom this time. Usually we don't do that, but uh, Sammy the Slug almost got at the bottom of mine yeah. because that is a scary-ass-looking, creepy mascot. Definitely. Yeah, I mean, so a little red from Nebraska, though. UC Santa Cruz. Oh, yeah. UC Santa Cruz, Sammy the Slug is – Pretty scary. Pretty scary. But uh, let's move on to the top, Josh. All right. Who, who goes first here? Uh, I don't think you're going to take mine. Go ahead. Okay. I'm going to go ahead and start off with the Philly Fanatic. Oh, so this almost got an honorable mention on the bottom of mine. I am – I'm all out on the Philly Fanatic. You're all out on the Fanatic? Hate him. Why? I'm, I'm all – Josh, it's played out like he's gotten sued a million times. Uh, I mean, all of his stuff now is so it's it's. I'm pretty sure it's all fake, to be honest with you, because the Phillies are tired of getting sued. Yeah, you know, I kind of I tend to agree with you in that. I just think that it's this is a staple in baseball. The Philly fanatic is a staple of baseball mascots. He is obviously uh, known for his uh, hijinks is not a very good word for it. His shenanigans, his trouble that he makes, yeah. trouble that he causes, mischief, mischief. And, uh, but that's, like I said earlier, I want my mascot, the mascot who's going to be out there beating the shit out of the other mascots. Oh, and if, if there's one mascot that's just going to, you know, follow along in the script read and then go out there and just beat the shit out of another mascot for just for the fun of it and just to please the crowd, it's 1000% the Philly fanatic. And that's why he gets my number one spot. Yep. So uh, that's a great pick. Uh, number one pick on my totem pole of mascots, Lucille of the San Francisco Giants. So a funny story about the loose seal, Josh. Uh, I had no idea what a loose seal was until about a week ago. Um, So going back to Big Fire Baseball, started about uh, about a month ago now, maybe a little longer. um, One of the teams is called the South Central Loose Seals. And I had no fucking clue clue what a Lucille was until last week when I finally googled Lucille and it popped up as the San Francisco Giants mascot and I'm <laughs> like well holy hell they're the Lucilles because that's a that's a mascot I thought it was like an abbreviation for like Louisiana southeastern Alabama I had no idea what Lucille fucking meant but he is absolutely one of the best mascots in sports. Once I learned what he was, uh, I mean, if you need a picture of him, go ahead and look at him up. Uh, he obviously looks like a seal. So with the whiskers, sort of like a cat, 
He's got a sick pair of shades on. Uh, I mean, obviously the Giants colors, you know, you either love them or you hate them. And with the Giants personally, I'm, I was a little torn putting this, putting this at the top of my totem pole because the Giants stole a World Series from the Rangers. Um, but I, I've got to pay homage to the Lucille. Lucille is a fantastic pick there. It is uh, one of the better looking mascots. It's the dope shades that he has. Uh, he's just fun. He's one of the more fun mascots. Great part of the team. Solid pick there. Uh, so I actually had a really tough time picking my second one. I, I was, I just had so many that I could put here. Um, and I'm still torn as, as I'm, as I'm saying this, give me Olga, Georgia Bulldog. Okay. Not a huge fan, but okay. Let me hear so, the case. So the first reason that Olga gets a nod here is because he is the goodest boy, the goodest mascot in all of college football. Good boys okay. deserve to be praised, and that's that's where he gets the second spot here. I love live mascots. This is a, a great tradition. And did you know that his on-field home is a permanent air-conditioned doghouse located next to the cheerleaders platform? So this man has the best view at all times. He knows what he's doing. He's living large. Uh, his jerseys are always custom made at the beginning of each season. I mean, the Olga is is the epitome of class in college football. Yeah, you you sold me on. I wasn't sold when you when you announced it, but you've sold me on. I'm all in on Olga. Is her name? Olga. Yep. Perfect. So uh, let's move on to my second quickly, Josh. Go the gorilla, Phoenix Suns gorilla. Obviously, the highest flying mascot and uh some would say the realist mascot and not necessarily in the uh physical sense but in the in the um street sense uh he's been known obviously for his antics for his dunks uh but josh he actually got his start uh henry rojas a singing telegram gorilla was sent to the arena in 1980 uh for the security a singing telegram to perform for the security saw him perform saw his dunks and was instantly hired uh, and hasn't left the Phoenix Sun since. Wow. Yeah, We're, and obviously when I, got into, when I got into basketball, I was watching the Suns, watching this mascot fly around at halftime, fly around before the quarters, you know, in between quarters. I was like, all in on that. Yeah, that is actually – and, you know, being the fan that you are of the Suns, or at least for a period of time, I'm sure that you got to uh, see a lot of those commercial breaks with uh, the mascots jumping through hoops and doing all the crazy stuff. Yeah, I mean, the, my, my uh, background on my computer until probably like three years ago was uh, a team picture of the Suns from like 08. So he was definitely the background of my computer for a while. All right, so the last one on my totem pole is the Raptor in Toronto. Boo. Boo. Oh, my goodness, Kyler. This is – I'm going to have to tell you again. So do you know how he entered as a mascot? No. In 1995 – November 3rd, the raptor was hatched out of an egg. Popped out of the egg, there was the raptor born. Uh, so actually, he's been one of, he is one of the more high-profile mascots in the NBA. And actually, one of the Toronto, honestly, it was, a, it was a bright spot on what was a very dark time for Toronto through a few years of bad basketball. And uh, – one of their biggest headlines in that year was the Raptor tore his ACL. Oh. 
Yeah, that was actually one of the biggest uh, off-season things that they had to deal with. Um, at the beginning of the game, the Raptors on the court, uh, you know, most time he is heckling the other team, uh, getting all up in their grill and doing some things. Um, he, in the middle of the game, he's right on the sideline taking pictures with his fans. Um, he is one of the more fun. He's always – he'll grab your hat off your head. He'll take your sunglasses, pose for a selfie. Um, yeah, I mean, he's just – he is the epitome of what mascot should be. A lot of fun, a lot, uh, very athletic. He actually uh, uh, majored in tumbling. He, uh, nice. he went through entertainment classes in college, got his tumbling, uh, and did everything he needed to do. So, yeah, one of the more athletic, uh, one of the uh, great, great mascots. He, he, him, and actually, him and DeMar DeRozan actually uh, were at Sick Kids Hospital giving out presents to young fans he goes to local Toys R Us and hands out toys. So, I mean, the Raptor is involved, and he is one of the best mascots in the NBA. So, the only thing I'm in on the Raptor uh, is that he was hatched out of an egg. I think that is the best marketing idea I've heard in my lifetime. Yep, because we have no idea how Rumble the mutant bison was born. Nope, we have no idea. But the Raptor came from an egg. We know that. There's proof. Uh, great pick by that. Uh, so uh, moving on, I, I talked about this guy a little bit earlier, Paddles. So he's the University of Oregon Duck, and he, uh, he might look pretty familiar to you. Uh, that's because a handshake deal came between uh, Walt Disney and the University of Oregon, uh, the athletic director and the president of University of Oregon at the time, to use the likeness of Donald Duck for all of their sports teams. So that explains why Paddles looks a lot like uh, Daffy Duck. Josh, I, or Donald Duck, I'm sorry. Um, I, I don't like this duck. I, I think he, uh, he does those push-ups. You know, he does uh, – he, he's in all the Sports Center commercials. You know, he, he fought the cougar, like you said. I think he's completely played out. But I'm putting, in, I'm putting him here because of how much space he has in my head. I wanted, I wanted to put him so badly on the bottom of mine, but I just couldn't. I couldn't put him there because he doesn't deserve it. And because he's just living so rent-free up there, I have to put him at the top. So one of the coolest things that I remember uh, Paddle's doing is he actually uh, rode out on a boat onto midfield in one of the games. The spirit team was carrying him onto the field, and he was just rowing along with his paddle. So uh, it, it was a pretty little clever deal. That was one of my uh, memorable moments with Paddle's. So, you know, great pick by you. He did, uh, you know – beat the shit out of the other mascot. So yeah. I'm all in on battles. That's a solid pick. Yeah, maybe that story contributed a little bit to him making it there. Uh, honorable mention for the top. Uh, I think this one is a no-brainer for me. Pistol Pete uh, over at Oklahoma State University. One of the all-time greatest mascots I love. I love Pistol Pete. Uh, kind of reminds me of uh, Yosemite Sam and just, yeah. uh, just wonderful. I, that's yeah. one of my favorite mascots. I love all the mascots that are actual people that don't actually do like crazy stuff to them. Like the West Virginia Mountaineer, great mascot. Mm -hmm. uh, another one that I really, really love is the, uh, the spaceman, the Toledo zip, the space suit guy that uh, that's at Toledo. I think that is the absolute coolest looking mascot. And I think that would be the coolest mascot suit to wear. I think that's one of the suits that I would wear for Halloween every year. Well, that's what – all right, you dress up for that, and then I will just go ahead and either be Pistol Pete or Victor the Viking over in Minnesota because I think that that would be a pretty fun one too. So we can just go as mascots for Halloween this year. 
Yeah, I mean, well, if we're doing that, Josh, I'm gonna I'm gonna order me a Lucille's costume. I'm gonna be a Lucille. Gonna be a Lucille. I love it. I'm gonna be a Philly fanatic. Yep, let's do it. So uh, I had I had a great time today, Josh. Like I always do on these Monday episodes, uh, breaking down PGA. I love talking golf. Love the totem poles. Uh, here pretty soon, we're gonna have basketball to talk about on these Monday shows. Man, this episode these episodes are gonna be two three hours long. I'm so excited for the NBA to come back. Uh, these totem poles are, are awesome. There were just so many live sports on this weekend. It it really helped pass the time. Uh, you know, this was this what this is the weekend that I've been waiting for. Something like this to be able to have sports on TV, and then on Sunday uh, night, Monday morning, being able to break it down with you makes it that much better. So we will talk to you again on Wednesday. Yep. And Josh, just one more Monday, and we'll have baseball back again. I'm so excited. Man, I'm so excited. These episodes are about to get so much fun. More live sports. All right, buddy. See you on Wednesday. All right, see ya.